Here we go. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Now, if you were with us last weekend, uh, we took the time to look at the Christmas story through the eyes of Mary, and we looked at how we can accept the things that we cannot change. God, give me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. What are the things that you can't change? Traffic, people, school, your age. Those are some of the things that you can't change. So the, the, those are the very places that you and I, we need serenity when it comes to knowing that there are things in life that we can't change. Now, next weekend, which will be October, the, not October, December the 19th, I don't want to go back, I want to go forward, okay? Uh, December the 19th, we're going to take the time to look at wisdom. God, give me the wisdom to know the difference. So let me say, make sure that you're here next weekend because I want you to understand it's the last service that we will have in 2021. I started to say 2019. I don't know what's going on. So hopefully when you came in this morning, one of our guest service team members gave you a card that looks like this. It kind of gives you some of the details of what the remainder of this year looks like for us. Uh, next Sunday will be our last services, 8.30 and 10 o'clock. But we decided, you know, since we're not doing Christmas Eve this year, we didn't do it last year. And if you know Christmas Eve and you know Randy Cook, Christmas Eve is a really, really big deal. For us not to do it is also a really big deal. But there are multiple reasons why we could not do it or why we didn't schedule to do it. And I can give you a little bit of that information. But let me say this. Next Sunday afternoon from 5.30 to 7, we're just going to have kind of a get-together, a time of just friends and food and, 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 and fellowship. And so that's going to happen between 5.30 and 7 o'clock right here. And we're just asking you to read the details here. If your name is one thing, you're going to bring one letter, you're going to bring this. If it's another letter, you're going to bring that. The details are on that card. So again, it's just going to be a time to get together uh, and kind of celebrate the Christmas season and kind of get together with people that you sometimes see and sometimes you don't see. But it's going to happen from 5.30 to 7 right here. So whatever you're supposed to bring, whether it's savory or sweet, depending on how your last name starts with what letter, uh, get here about 5.15, have your food here, we'll start at 5.30, it's come and go. If you're using a crock pot or something like that and you don't want the crock pot, uh, you want to take the crock pot with you or we'll work it out, but try to bring something that uh, you can leave and the, the, the contents, your, your, your food item, and we'll just throw the pan away when we're done. But again, if you have a, need a crock pot and we have to you know, do that, we'll deal with that. But again, it's come and go. You can come between 5.30 and 7. But if you're bringing food, which we want you to, try to get here about 5.15. So anyway, does that make sense? So anyway, that's next Sunday uh, from 5.30 to 7. So also, let me say this about Christmas Eve. You know that Christmas Eve is big to me. And of course, two years ago, uh, I mean, we couldn't do it because, you know, I mean, we just didn't know what was going to happen. 
And we spend a lot of money and a lot of effort goes into it. This year, we have to pr we planned it about six months ahead of time. So we, we, we were looking at things that were happening in June and July, and we're like, we don't know with all these variants and all of this stuff, the supply chain problems, getting stuff that we need, if we would be able to pull it off. And since then, we have had major issues, which you probably don't even recognize, with the soundboard. The soundboard is 16 years old, and it's going to have to be replaced. So that's one of the reasons why this year we're taking two Sundays off versus the one. We have a new, brand new soundboard that's supposed to be installed while we're out for Christmas. This is if nothing happens. And they've told us it will be here and it will be on time. But again, that's why we're taking two Sundays off. So we want you to take those two Sundays and spend them with your family and your friends and enjoy uh, just being in the presence of those people that you love and that you care about or that you pretend like you care about. Just, just be with them. Uh, and then we're scheduled to be back here. You'll see the calendar on the backside of that on the night. That could change. That could change, but we're not expecting it to change. So again, make sure you get this card. Make sure you stay up to date with what's happening. So again, I want you to know about this, that. And again, next week we're going to talk about wisdom. But this morning we're focusing on courage. And, and it just begs me to ask the question about you. Where do you need courage? What is an area in your life where you would say, you know, this is an area that I need courage? I mean, maybe it's your career. Maybe it's a hurt. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe, maybe it's a hang-up in your life. The question I have for you this morning is, do you have the courage to change? Maybe you feel sick in your body and, and you're afraid to go to the doctor. Do you have the courage to seek help? Maybe it's a decision that you need to make. And you've already leaned into God and you've already kind of got an inclination or an idea what it is that God is telling you to do. But will you have the courage to make the change and pull the trigger and do what it is that you know you're supposed to do as it relates to that decision? Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your spiritual journey. But will you overcome the fear that you have? Will you have the courage to overcome the fear? And will you make the change in your life that needs to be made? And here's the thing that I find that's very interesting about the Christmas story. The, the most frequent command to all of the characters in the Christmas story is the command that you're going to see right behind me on the screen. Here's the command. The command is this. The command is do not be afraid. That's the command that we see more often than not in the Christmas story. Do not be afraid. Why, why would that command be so prevalent in the Christmas story? I'll tell you why. That command, do not be afraid, is so prevalent simply because God wants to give you courage. God wants to bring courage. When Zechariah was visited by an angel who told him that he was going to be the father of John the Baptist, he was gripped with fear. And the angel said to him, do not be afraid. When the angel comes to Mary and tells her, she, tells her she's going to be a mother, she's going to birth a son, she naturally freaks out, but the angel says to Mary, do not be afraid. 
I mean, when the angels came to the shepherds in the field, it's the very same thing. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. So when we look at the characters that we find in the Christmas story, there seems to be this natural tension. There's this battle with fear. And nowhere is that battle any stronger than in the life of Joseph, where he is told by an angel that his fiancée, Mary, is pregnant. And I want you to see what the Bible says, Matthew 1, verse 20. Matthew records it this way. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now, now again, look, look at the scripture behind me, and, and let, me, let me just ask you, have you ever really thought about why God chose Joseph? I mean, have you ever wondered why our heavenly father chose Joseph to be the earthly father of Jesus? I mean, talk about shoes that are going to be hard to fill. Because the earthly father is going to have to pick up where the heavenly father left off. So what was it about Joseph that made Joseph stand out above all the other people on earth? I'll tell you what it wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't where he was from because the Bible tells us that we know Joseph was from Nazareth. And the Bible tells us that nothing good ever came out of Nazareth. It wasn't that what he did because, again, he was just a carpenter. It's not because Joseph wasn't afraid, because from what we just read, it's apparent that he was very afraid. See, here's the thing I've concluded. I've come to the conclusion that a very strong case could be made. For the very reason that God chose Joseph... Is simply because Joseph had courage. And not just courage, he had courage in the face of fear. And see, many of you make a mistake like I've made a mistake, and we think that those people who are courageous, that courageous people are, are people with no fear. But honestly, I want you to understand what I'm saying this morning. Courageous people are people who are afraid. Because here's the thing. Courage is not the absence of fear. But courage is doing what God wants you to do even in the midst of the fear. So we pray, God, grant me courage in the midst of the fear. God, grant me courage in the face of fear. And we look at the life of Joseph, and we see the courage of Joseph start to come out in many ways. Let, 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 me, let me show you one of the ways that I think the courage of Joseph started to come out, and it's, it's simply one word. It's in his commitments. It's commitments. Joseph had the courage 
to live his life and to make commitments, and not just make commitments, Joseph kept commitments. See, Joseph was such an, uh, a courageous man that he committed to love, honor, and cherish Mary till death do us part. And he made that a lifelong commitment. Look at verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Joseph had made a pledge. Joseph had made a commitment to Mary. A commitment to devote yourself to one person for one lifetime. And let me tell you this morning, that takes a courageous commitment. Because when he slipped that ring on Mary's finger, he was committing to her and to her alone for a lifetime. Because only courageous people are going to make a commitment like that. Now listen to what I'm about to say. Because there are a lot of people in our culture, in our society today, who have a problem with commitment right now. Not so much in this service, but men, I'm talking to you, guys. I'm talking to the men. Because here's the thing, guys, you date around, you sleep around, but when it comes to commitment, you just can't make the commitment. But Joseph shows us that a courageous man makes a commitment and he keeps a commitment. And guys, let me just say this. Don't ever underestimate the power of giving yourself in an exclusive commitment. Because let me tell you what women like. Women like rings, women like things, they like cars, they like houses. But let me tell you, ladies, am I right? You value commitment over all of that other stuff, don't you? I was expecting a standing ovation, but I'm saying I'm not going to get that. So anyway. <laughs> now as the story moves on. Mary discovers that she's pregnant. And Joseph knows that when, Mary, when, when, when it comes to Mary, he says, you know what? I haven't touched her. I haven't touched her sexually. Honestly, I don't think Joseph had even kissed Mary. And Joseph knows that the child that Mary is carrying is not his. Because... Joseph had the courage to honor God with his sexuality. I want to show you something this morning that's very, very unusual these days. It's verse 25 of Matthew chapter 1. Look at what it says. 
But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. Joseph made the courageous decision to honor God with his sexuality. So he made sure to wait until the child was born or until they were married. And it's rare these days that a man will say to a woman, why don't we wait? Why don't we wait until we married? we're married? So let me just say this. Maintaining sexual purity is going to be a battle before marriage and after marriage. Maintaining sexual purity is going to be a battle before you get married and after you get married. It doesn't matter if it's the first century or the 21st century. You're going to have to fight for sexual purity before you get married and after you get married. And some of you are looking and listening at me and you think, Randy, you are so naive because look at all of the hookups that are happening in the 21st century. I mean, we have Tinder, we have Bumble, we have another fish in the sea, we have all of these different things and people are getting together and people are hooking up and they're doing all of their things. But the Christmas story reminds us that sexual purity is still a big deal. Do you think God would have chosen Joseph if Joseph was loosey-goosey with his sexuality? Now listen to me. There has always been a connection between moral purity and God trusting someone with a kingdom adventure and responsibility. And I just wonder how many of you in this audience and how many of you listening online are missing out on going on that adventure with God because you're not honoring him with your sexuality. I wonder how many of our students and single people are missing out on God using you in the most powerful way because you are not taking the time to honor him with your sexuality. But here's the beautiful thing. If you're one of those people who is not honoring God with your sexuality, you can change that. Because the whole story of a Savior born at Christmas is the whole story of grace and forgiveness. Because even after sexual integrity has been lost, it can be restored through the grace of Jesus Christ. And wouldn't it be something if Christmas 2021... Wouldn't it be great for you if this was the season of change and you just started praying, God, give me the courage to change the things 
that I can change. Let me show you something else that I see in the life of Joseph. It's betrayal. Joseph really knew how to deal with betrayal. He had the courage to deal with being betrayed, and he dealt with that with grace. I mean, think about it. In just an instant, his whole world falls apart. I mean, he finds out that Mary is pregnant, and he hasn't even kissed her yet. So naturally, what does he do? Naturally, he's like me and you. He starts scrolling through his mind of all the names of the other guys that he thought that she knew. Or maybe he wanted to go on to social media and, and, and actually shame her because she claims to be a virgin even though she's pregnant. And many of you in this room and listening and watching online are like me. We know what it's like to be betrayed by the people that we trusted the most. But what does Joseph do after he receives this world-changing, devastating news. He does something that's mature. He does something that's so grace-filled that I'm not sure that most of us can even wrap our minds around what it is that he does. Look at what it says in verse 19. Joseph, to who she was engaged, was a righteous man. And did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. I mean, think about it. Shortly after some of the most devastating news that any young man could experience. Joseph quietly decides. Courageously decides. That instead of doing this publicly, he's going to do it quietly. I mean, it had to be the most difficult thing that he had ever decided. But he does the gracious thing. I mean, many of you know. That good people like Joseph, they've had people hurt them, betray them. I mean, many of you in this room right now are still derailed by people in your life who have betrayed you. A boyfriend, a girlfriend, a boss, a parent. You were betrayed by somebody maybe who's not even alive now. But just the thought of those people who betrayed you, inside of you, you start to feel bitterness and hatred. It just starts boiling up inside of you if anybody even mentions their name. But here's the thing. Courageous people, really courageous people, 
start to learn that they can't carry that poison around with them for the rest of their lives. And during the next few weeks, you're going to be around some of those people. Christmas celebrations. Some of you are going to be in the same room with someone who has hurt you. Someone who has betrayed you. Somebody who has disappointed you. Somebody who has wronged you. I mean, some of you are going to be dealing with ex-spouses, the other man, the other woman. You're going to have to attend plays and programs and parties. And just like Joseph, you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to decide when you're in the presence of that person who has disappointed you or betrayed you, it's up to you to decide how you're going to react. Are you going to act on all those dark impulses that are inside of you? Or will you be like Joseph? And ask God to give you the courage to change the things that you can. And then handle that betrayal with grace. Do the grace thing, not the sinister thing. Because here's what happens. A courageous person handles betrayal with grace. They make the choice that they're not going to carry through life with them a backpack full of stuff that they know is going to end up killing them from the inside out. Matthew 1 continues. Look at the screen behind me. Matthew says it this way. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The angel is letting Joseph know that this is his destiny. The angel is letting Joseph know that, that this is the call that's on his life. You are Joseph, son of David. So you could read right over that. Son of David. What does that mean? David was the guy who slayed Goliath. David was a warrior. David was a king. You're Joseph, son of David, and your son is going to be the second person of the Trinity, the long-awaited Messiah who will save his people from their sins. In verse 24, look at what it says. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. Because Joseph was a man who courageously listened to God and courageously obeyed the commands of God. So much so 
that there is this little scene in Luke chapter 2. And this little scene really tells us the heart of a courageous man. And again, this is something that I think that, that you have just been prone to read right over. And you fail to understand the importance of it. Look at it with me. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, you remember if you were here last week, I highlighted this. So what do we have happening here? This new father, Joseph, is taking his newborn son to the temple to the place of worship, to present a sacrifice, a sacrificial offering to God, a sacrifice of thanksgiving for this newborn son who would save Joseph and you and me from all of our sins. And given all of the challenges that Joseph and Mary have faced... I'm encouraged that Joseph had another kind of courage. Look at, look at the screen behind me. In the face of all he had dealt with, Joseph had the courage to be generous. Joseph had the courage to be generous even in a time of economic uncertainty. Because think about it. Now, think, th I want you to think about it. Put yourself in Joseph's place. Because if anybody had the opportunity to not bring a thanks offering to God, it would be Joseph. Why do you say that, Randy? I'll tell you why. Because Joseph and Mary were poor. He had his new baby. He's probably making payments on his new Bronco. See what I did there? But Joseph bagged up all of those excuses. And Joseph went to the temple, listen to me, and he offered a sacrifice that was proportionate to God's blessing in his life. He couldn't afford a lamb. So he brought what represented a sacrifice for him and Mary, two young pigeons or two doves. Now, now think about the Christmas story because when you think about the Christmas story, you're going to remember that in another part of the Christmas story, there are other gifts that were brought when Jesus was born because the wise men brought really expensive gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So here's my question. Which one of the gifts do you think God honored more? The gift that Mary and Joseph gave or the gift that the wise men gave? I mean, which one of those sets of gifts honored God more? Because the, the wise men brought extravagant gifts. They brought pricey gifts to Joseph and Mary. But Joseph and Mary brought to God the humble gift of pigeons. 
who were presented to God as a sacrifice in financial hardship. So which one of those gifts do you think honored God the most? I'm going to tell you what I think. And again, I'm just telling you what I think. I think both because both honored God and both were equally sacrificial. Now listen to what I'm saying. The wise men gave out of their abundance. Joseph and Mary gave out of their poverty. And that's what the Bible has taught us for thousands of years. For thousands of years, the Bible has taught you and me to honor God with proportional giving. Why would the Bible teach that? Because proportional giving is the way that you and I can keep God first in our life. Whether you have a lot or whether you have just a little. Look at what 1 Corinthians says, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. This is the good news translation, but here's what it says. Every Sunday, each of you must put aside some money in proportion to what you have earned. We don't all earn the same amount. But we can all sacrifice equally to God in proportion to what we've earned. It's proportional. This is why the Bible tells us that every follower of Jesus should make tithing the starting point of our generosity to God. It's the starting point. And many of, many of us, you know, we don't just tithe, we give beyond the tithe. So let me, just, let me just say this. All of you who follow Jesus, all of you this morning who would say that, that Crossroads is your church, as we come to the end of 2021, there are just three weeks left. The question I have for you is this. Have you fully honored God with your tithes and offerings? Have you fully honored God with your tithes and offerings this year? Have you fully honored God in a way that he has proportionally blessed you? What have you done with your tithes and offerings? Have you fully honored God with what he's given you? In a way that reflects the magnitude of God's blessing in your life. Have you fully honored God with your tithes and offerings in a way that he's proportionally blessed you? And some of you would say, you know, Randy, wait, I, you just, you, you got to stop. You just got to slow your roll there because it, it's been a tough year. And if you're one of those people who look or listen to me and say, you know what, 2021 has been a tough year, then how do you respond? 
You respond the same way that Mary and Joseph responded. You respond out of your poverty. They still honored God. And they did it proportionally to how God had blessed them. Some of you have had a tough year. So you do what Joseph and Mary did. Some of you have had an amazing year. Stocks, bonds, selling real estate. You've cashed stuff in. Your company's doing better than it's ever done. We've sold stuff, made all kinds of money. But in God's eyes, you know how God sees that when you and I make a lot of money? God says, to whom much is given, much is required. There may be some of you that God leads to give an over and above gift at the end of this year. Because again, we as a church are in a place where a lot needs to be done so that we can go beyond where we were when COVID started. Honor God by worshiping him with your sacrificial offerings. And you do it just like Mary and Joseph did. And again, here's the point we are as a church. We're, we're at an amazing season as a church. So I need you to understand, I'm not asking you to give. I'm not asking you to give Crossroads anything. But I'm saying to you this morning, go to your house, go to your prayer closet and ask God and see what he puts on your heart so that we can keep making a difference in the lives of people. I'm not telling you to give anything because let me tell you what I know. It's better for God to speak to you and tell you what you need to do than it is for me to speak to you and tell you what you need to do. God doesn't need your money. He just wants to make sure that your life is blessed. Let's go back because there's one last thing I want us to see. It's engage. Joseph had the courage to fully engage with his kids. When he became a parent... He fully engaged. During the delivery in the, st in the stable, he was there. Think about this. Parents, listen to this. During the, during the delivery in the stable, he was there. When they took Jesus to the temple, he was there. I mean, can you imagine what it would be like to raise Jesus? I mean, just think you're Joseph and Jesus and you're out in the, in the barn and you're working on something. You have the Son of God, the sinless Son of God, watching and listening to everything you do as a father, everything you say. Can you imagine being out in the carpentry shop and Joseph and Jesus are out there and Joseph hits his, ha his hand with a hammer and he says, Oh, Jesus. And he says, What? What'd you need, Dad? When Jesus was 12, Jesus goes to the Passover with Mary and Joseph in Jerusalem to observe the Passover. Joseph does not delegate the spiritual formation to his son, of his son to his wife. Joseph was there with his son and he was fully engaged. So dads, listen to me. Single dads, married dads, divorced dads, stepdads, granddads. 
this is the Christmas season. And this is the time for you to step it up and be courageous as a dad to change the things that you can. Take out the, take out the Bible on Christmas morning or take out the Bible on Christmas Eve and open it to the Christmas story, which, if you don't know, is Luke chapter 2. And Dad, don't slide the Bible over to Mom. Don't slide the Bible over to Grandmother. You read the Christmas story. You can play some Christmas music in your car. And then you could tell your children exactly what that music means to you. Dad, you could find a project for a, an under-resourced family or an individual. And you could do something significant in the life of that person or that family. Because something special happens when a family comes together. See, I don't think you probably thought about many of these things. But when you look at the life of Joseph, you start to see that Joseph was quite a courageous man. He was, wasn't he? And I don't know if any of you have ever realized. Now listen to this. In the entirety of the Christmas story, Joseph never speaks a word. He never says anything. Everybody else in the Christmas story gets to talk. Everybody else in the Christmas story has something to say. But here's Joseph, who might have been like the strong, silent type. He never said a word. And maybe the reason that Joseph never said anything is because he was just going to let his courage speak for itself. And he just kept praying. And this morning, you know what I believe God is doing? I believe God is looking down from heaven in this audience right now. And he's looking for people like Joseph. He's looking for men and women of courage. Courageous men and women like Joseph. He's looking for people who will say, I've got courage. I've got courage to, to, to make and to keep my commitments. I've got the courage to, to honor God with my sexuality. I've got the courage to, to handle those people who disappoint me and, and, and discourage me and betray me. But I'm going to have the courage to handle that with grace. He's looking for people who are going to be generous, even in times of economic uncertainty. People who have the courage to fully engage with their children. Now listen to what I'm about to say. You can't grow your courage by listening to Randy Cook talk about courage. You can only grow courage by trusting and obeying God and taking action.
It's up to you. It's not up to me. Would you bow your heads and pray with me, please? God, this is our prayer this morning. That you would grant us the serenity to accept the things that we cannot change. And God, give us the courage to change the things that we can with your power, God. Give us the, the courage to change the things that we need to change in each one of our lives as you, God, start by your Holy Spirit to lead us to make those changes. God, we just look to you to do what only you can. And in that moment, God, we will trust and obey. And we will follow you. Knowing that you want to give us a life that is full and a life that is abundant. So God, we can be the true the people that you've truly called us to be. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, but the courage that we need to change the things that we can. As we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name, amen.